to Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy and Jay Grunberg. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Electrician Live. My name is Paul Abernathy, one of your hosts. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Mr. Jay Basement King Grunberg. Jay, as always, welcome to the show. What's up? What's up? Yeah, so again, um, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Again, we have those. I did get some emails, Jay, this week saying... On Saturday, they said, Paul, where's the show? Where's the show? And I was like, it's been moved to Thursday night. So obviously, you all that have joined us, you know that it is Thursday nights. But uh, um, it's every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. So make sure you check it out. If you have topics you'd like us to discuss, you can always email them to us at host, H-O-S-T, at electricianlive.com. And we're more than happy to look that and see if we can't produce a, a show for you. Um, before we get too deep into it, Jay, we have to, uh, again, pay homage to our sponsor. And uh, we have another sponsor coming here in the next uh, couple weeks. Um, so I'm excited about uh, American Polywater is going to be coming uh, sponsoring a show and have a dedicated show with them. So I'm excited about that. If you don't know what American Polywater is, they make great sealant products and they make great seals for raceways and things like that. So we'll be talking about that. Uh, at a future show. So again, we're excited about that. But this show is sponsored by S- uh, CBD Pure, which is um, your CBD oils and creams and things like that. If you want more information on them, please go to electricianlive.com and you'll see a banner at the bottom. You can click on it and you can get more information on CBD oils and all those type of goody goodies stuff like that. Um, also, no, don't forget about electricianpride.com. You can go to Electrician Pride and get all your electrician stuff like stickers and hoodies and jackets, and whatever, the stuff all over the stuff over there. So anyway, so Jay, as we always do, tell us how your week leading up to this week's gone. How are things in the world of the Basement King? Yeah. Hey, hey, everybody. Hope everybody's having a good week. And um, so far, it's been... It's been kind of a, a down week for us in the house. Um, my mother-in-law, she um, got sick while she was out exercising at a facility for her um, heart attack recovery mm. process. So they have a program where they come pick her up. And she's been to this facility a few times. And this last time when she got back, the following day, she really wasn't feeling too well. And mm. so, again, she's, you know, cruising around the house with the mask on and we're kind of wearing masks and within the following three days we started kind of getting head colds and so we've just been I guess quarantine ourselves in the house as, as right. much as possible you know and just of course uh, like not you said too to, carried away but like you say everything today now if you if you just sniffle a little bit now everybody's like oh she got COVID you got COVID <laughs> quarantine they, like, jump back right they like They'll see you and they'll 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 hear that sniffle and they'll just kind of go backwards, you know, like okay, let's let's start get let's get that six to eight feet. So, but uh, we've got them. Well, but you have a mask on, and we know that the mask stops everything, right? It's (laughs) (laughs) yeah. So our week's been, you know, so and so. The the additions kind of on the standstill just because of weather condition and 
and also the trades. Um, I think our plumber uh, failed three times. Um, so <laughs> I don't know, but but he, he passed. Hot on left, hot on left, cold on right. Crap don't run uphill. Come on, guys. Oh man, it's a simple trade. I'm just saying. All right. How uh, how was your week? I get in trouble for saying that. Um, I know. It, it's been been a good week here at the academy. A uh, lot of new students coming on. A lot of good success. Um, I I don't know if you remember Mike from our uh, fast tracks group passes exam this week. So uh, oh. awesome! He nailed it and actually had time to spare. So he was in our Wednesday night. For those that are in the fast tracks, we do a Wednesday night uh, where you can come. And this past Wednesday, Jay, you weren't there, were you? Um, I did conductor ampacities, adjustments, corrections, and all kinds of stuff about that. So if you're a fast track student, the rebroadcast is available over on the Sparky Hub. So you can go look at it on the Sparky Hub if you're a fast tracks uh, member. Um, I do want to give some shout outs real quick. Um, Michael, welcome to the group. Dirk, Jorge, or Georgie, uh, Tim, thanks for jumping in. Elwood, Antonio, thank you for coming in. Uh, infamous, thank you for being here. Edgar, William, uh, Mr. Cosby himself, thank you for coming. And uh, everybody that joins us, we, we do appreciate you coming. And again, uh, again, a special shout out to all my fast track students. Uh, you're doing a wonderful job, everybody. So keep at it. You'll be successful. Just keep hammering away at it. All right, Jay, what's our topic tonight? What are we? What are you talking about? What are we? What are we're we gonna get into? We're gonna go into. Um kitchens and kitchens. and what goes on in a kitchen and primarily we're going to focus on um, residential kitchens just because there's a little bit more code in the residential yeah. kitchen i would say um and yeah. i'm pretty sure commercial gonna... commercial kitchen you're looking at all cooking all the different commercial applications and you're going to apply 220.56 and you're going to work on it and you're going to can't be less than the two largest appliances in there cooking equipment so i mean that's fairly straightforward and easy believe it or not uh, and I see Jim came in the room. Thanks, Jim. Will's in here. Thank you, Will, for coming. Yeah, hey, um, I think that you're right when it comes to what people, they go from a commercial over to residential, they get really confused, right? So, yes. look, Ronbo's in the house. Clef. Yeah, Rombo donated uh, 10 bucks. Thanks, Rombo. Wow, man. Ching, ching. I don't even, I don't have a button for that. You know, what is it? Show me go. the money. You have there to you go. Uh, get that classic saying. Show there's, me the money. Is Michael? Michael's a, a, a new fast track student uh, in the program. Thanks, Michael, for oh, joining me. you, Michael. Actually, I think I talked to Michael today, probably by email. Um, he found out that I use Unit Two in our fast track program to see engaged students to whether or not they're actually going to use their NEC. So, Unit Two in the program, I, we leave some definitions out. So when we worked with the program and the book writer, some of the questions that are in the competency review aren't talked about in the reading material. And it's all designed also, and I use that to create an algorithm to see what students are going to actually study and which not, and which ones are going to actually go look something up in definitions. Again, at the end of the day, it's about you learning the code. That's it. So that's kind of one of the methods we use. So uh, but thanks, Michael, for joining Elwood as well in the house. Thank you. Um, would. All right. So talk kitchens. All right. Uh, basement King, you probably do quite a few kitchens and there's, uh, well, maybe not, you know, 
there is an issue in some kind of building industries that you can't have multiple kitchens in a house, uh, although I have done that, uh, but they like to poo-poo on that. But you got a lot of other areas, so um, go ahead. Talk me yeah, through it. So, Work me through it. So we're just going to get into the um, kitchen layouts. Um, if you guys have anything kitchen-related, um, bring it up, and, and we'll touch base on it. Again, other sure. questions, you can email us, um, and, and if we have time, we'll get to them. But I think this is going to take up quite a bit of the show, and you guys are going to get a – good inside scoop on on the contractor aspect of a kitchen and also the NEC aspect of a kitchen, um, which is primarily like the inspector side of it. So two different point of views. And the good thing is you've done both. And that's that's why I'm going to ask you a ton of questions and sure. and we're going to um, get it started. So right. I guess the first thing I would ask um, for a kitchen is maybe a definition. And does sure. the NEC have a definition Actually, of it does. what a kitchen is? Because um, some people, I think, get confused in what a kitchen is. What's um, what con- what is considered a kitchen? You know, is is it maybe having a microwave, having mm-hmm. a dishwasher, a disposal? Um, so yeah, if you if you have the definition. We'll, uh, yeah, so so it. in the Article 100 of the NEC does give us a definition. Uh, it says an area with a kitchen uh, with a sink and permanent provisions for food preparation and cooking. So if I've got preparation uh, permanent provisions for food preparation and cooking, so a microwave that's a cord and plug is not a permanent provision. Okay. Oh. Once I put the receptacle, let's say for a range. Whether or not the range is there or not is irrelevant. Once I put the hard wiring in for it and the, and the range is there, then the provisions are there, okay? So that is meets the provision. So food preparation is going to be your countertops, obviously. Uh, cooking is going to be a permanent provision for cooking like a receptacle, right, for a range, that type of thing. Um, cooktops, things like that are permanent provisions, okay? So all of that type of of stuff. Now, a question was asked about induction stovetops. I I don't know about standard. They come with an actual installation manual, and it'll have values and ratings and what you have to protect it at with the equipment. Provided provided us electricians actually read the instructions. Um, Sometimes (laughs) we don't. Okay, I don't know the last Correct, ceiling fan you put up. On that. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know the last ceiling fan you put up. I'm sure you know. Although there are some of them are getting quite complicated uh, now because they're less pieces. The way they interlock or whatever, you got to really read it to say how the crap does that fit in there. Um, yeah. Where it used to be pretty cut and dry. You open it up, you got little bags of screws. You got the blades. You you put the brackets onto the blades and you mount it. And you, you know, so anyway, it get more complicated. Okay. So Bill with, says, with, you all can read. You can't read. I didn't think Cosby could read. I'm just, I wasn't sure. All right, so, we so have that's to a have kitchen. A we have to have a permanent provision for sink. preparation and cooking. Yep. And the important word in there is and. So food preparation and cooking. And, and cooking. it's called the power of and and or. Or means this or that. And means this and that. If you're in the Perfect. code. So in this case, you got to have food preparation and cooking, which 
domestically all, you know, kitchens, we pretty much know what kitchens are in, in a dwelling unit. So we established a kitchen. We know what it is. Okay. We know what it is. Okay, so we now we're going to get into the um, kitchen portion itself from okay. a contractor standpoint. When I go into um, a kitchen, whether or not it's new construction, which pretty much means it's just two by fours, the framing members, it's all framed out for us to come framed in out. and put on some nail on boxes, um, switches, receptacles. And even on the remodels, you still have to apply the same codes that we're going to get into, whether it's new construction or remodel. It doesn't change. The code doesn't change, does it? No. So when we walk into a kitchen, the first thing that I'm going to do as a contractor, and I'm going to have to realize is there's, there's two realms when you're talking about your layout, your boxes. I've got, I've got two realms I have to deal in. So this is where we start dabbling in, and we haven't even talked about the circuits yet. We're just talking layout. Just layout. So we've got to, to start getting into 210.52, which commercial guys will be like, what's that? But resi guys know that that's a very important portion of the code because that's going to tell us where the receptacle outlets are to be located. And, of course, we're going to put receptacle devices in those receptacle outlets according to where it tells us in the code that they can be, can be placed. And so when I go into a kitchen, I have to remember there's two things that got to go into my mind. I'm going to have countertop receptacle outlets, and then I'm going to have general wall space receptacle outlets. Two different things. We have two different rules. The rules that meet the requirements for the wall spacing around the wall, like it would be in a, even in a, in a living room or in a bedroom, are going to be different than what I have to do for the countertop, right? So that's the first thing that goes in my mind. So I'm measuring my ruler. Uh, you're, you're using a hammer. I'm using my cheat stick. I'm going around the room, and I'm measuring my heights uh, for my boxes. My helper's running in there, and, and I'm throwing box, you know, plastic box. I usually just toss them over in the general area where one yep. needs to be. He'll right. see the marks. He'll see the marks on the wall, and he'll grab the box and put it up there and Got the little tab so it makes sure it's going to sit properly. It's not going to be too far back from the gypsum board. And he also got the little tabs and he nails them up and we're good to go. And we just keep on getting it. He's looking for all my marks. Um, but as you were saying, it's interesting because a lot of times when we're laying these things, well, all the time we're laying these things out in the kitchen, there ain't nothing but walls. There's no countertops, there's nothing. So this is where you really have to have a set of drawings to, to understand. And I used to get into the habit, Jay, of actually drawing out the cabinets on the floor. Uh, when I would measure it out, I would yep. actually just draw it out on the floor uh, so that I can kind of have an idea where the cabinet's going to be, where the sink's going to be, and all that type of thing. Um, my brother was really good. at He, he didn't, he didn't need, ever needed to do that. he just go... Boom, boom, boom. And, and, and he would say, all right, measure this length off. I'm putting one right here, right here. And he did, he did okay. I like to lay it out because I want to make sure that I'm certainly going to meet my spacing requirements, which we'll talk about. But that's how I do it. And once all those boxes are installed, and of course, I typically would install my boxes for the counter. Everybody's different. But I typically would install my boxes 50 inches to the top. Other people would do others, 55, 52, whatever, 48, you know, typically, you know, worrying about the backsplash that might be there. Yeah. But maybe that's some of the things that as an electrician, I need to double check because I've had some really high end homes and they have some unique backsplashes and we need to make sure that we're going to be sitting. Okay. Yeah. The last thing I want to do is get down to me 
when they start cutting it in. And of course, the gypsum people will cut it in. And then the tile people, whoever's doing the backsplash, will come in and they'll go, something ain't right, or this ain't right, or something doesn't match up right, or the counter person doesn't match up. Whose fault is it? It's you. Right. Because you set the tone. You put the box. And you were there first. Now, I always told you I like to come in after the other trades. So it makes it a little easier to do my measurements because the plumbers would have already been in and they will put their drain line and their center line and they'll, they'll have everything in and I can kind of get a good idea of where the sink's going to be so I can make sure I have my receptacle spacing and all that kind of good stuff. But again, I like to come in after if I can help it, yeah. that type of thing. Uh, Joe's joining there. us in the house. Welcome, Joe. Thanks for coming in, joining us. Yeah. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Joe's so, a CME CP absolutely um certified so so as a contractor and I, I guess when i go in as a contractor my main focus is the layouts mm -hmm. right i mean as as an as a contractor because we'll get into the um code requirements in 210.52 but i need in order to me in order for me to follow those code requirements i need a proper layout and so that's that's what i get and i i get the really fat uh, markers, mm -hmm. the, the Sharpies, the fat, ones fat that- Fat Sharpies. Fat Sharpies and, and have it, two of them just in case because sometimes the, the dust and the drywall and, mm -hmm. or not, you know, the dust and the wood shavings can kind of mm -hmm. tear it up if, if you're using it a lot. But yeah, lay it out, make sure that the contractor comes in, the GC, should I say, comes in and verifies it as well. And then that way, when you're, when, when you're installing these receptacle outlets and, and switch outlets you are putting them in a proper space that everybody's agreeing on and yeah. um and and also to couple that you, one of your concerns would be as is the gen, is the electrical contractor is by this stage you should already have had communication with the owners or somebody to make sure whether or not you've marked on a drawing or that you're covering what lights they want where they want recess cans if they want them um, getting all that stuff done up front, yes, up front as you're starting to lay in everything out. So, um, when I'm doing a spec house, it's pretty much up to me, but when you're doing a custom house for somebody, you need to make sure what, what they want, that type of thing. So, so we've covered what the contractor does when they go in for a rough, um, mm -hmm. as, as an inspector though, it's a little different because different because like you said you don't see the countertops you're you're looking at walls and you're you're probably looking at the cables and the measurement on these cables to make sure they're they're further uh, far enough back um what are you looking at though as an inspector in a kitchen not not being able to see the countertops what are you looking for well to be honest with you the inspector's job is to not worry about those things Right. The inspector's job is to make sure, one, you're using the proper size cable, but the conductors are the right size for your minimum two small appliance brand circuits. Uh, we'll cover kind of cover that in a, in a little bit here, but I'm looking for that. And the color coding of the NMB really makes it easy. If you're looking for yellow, then you know you're dealing with 12 gauge. Uh, again, that's not a written rule anywhere, but that's typically how the manufacturers make it now. Um, I'm looking to see that I've got the receptacles uh, on serving a countertop spaced out. They're obviously going to be higher than the ones that are around the room. Uh, it's on me, though, as the electrical contractor to make sure I'm right because the electrician and the inspector is going to sign off on this. 
Yes, he is. They're not going to know that it's within two feet of the sink yet. They're not going to know that, but they know there's receptacles there. And they're going to look to see that the box fill is okay, that you're not overfilling a box. They're going to look that you're securing and supporting your non-metallic sheath cables properly under 334.30. Uh, they're going to be looking to make sure that um, that you have um, uh, that your holes that are bored through your framing members aren't uh, closer than an inch and a quarter to the edge of the framing member, and that's on both sides of the framing member, by the way. Um, I see that a lot. People bore holes when you have stacked uh, studs, and they go in at an angle, and angle. they're okay. But then by the time they get to the back end of it, it's only this far from the backside. So you're going to need a nail plate in there as well. So thinking about all those type of things, uh, that's all the inspectors is looking to make sure that you've done all those those type of things. And in fact, it's even harder for an electrical inspector to know that you ran. Uh, we will look to see there's a minimum of two small appliance brand circuits. Yep. Um, and 210.11C1. We'll, we'll look at that. But at the end of the day, it's the onus is on you, the electrical contractor, that when I come back later for my final inspection, that when I walk into that kitchen, that I have receptacles where they need to be. So um, now if I'm to say that electricians have roughed it in and then they've done the inspection and then the gypsum has been put on and then something was screwed up, it wasn't right. Okay, the electrical inspector is not going to remember that by the time they come back for the final. All they care about is when we come back for the final, that the spacing is right. Now, if you move something or added something or change something, again, the electrical inspector does not have the time to dwell in the fact that you might have moved something. In fact, he won't even remember it probably, unless there was a problem with your inspection. If you did something in your inspection that made me remember something, I'll remember you because I probably noted on yeah. your inspection ticket. I was going to say a lot of times we get the we get the notes um mm -hmm. on them when when we fail the inspections. Mm -hmm. We'll we'll get the notes and cuz cuz you have 30 more inspections to go that day. If I'm your first stop, <laughs> by the time you're halfway done eating a subway sandwich on the way to your next uh inspection cuz you know you don't take a 30 minute lunch. Your your lunch is your drive time. Yeah, you're as always a, moving. So always uh, moving because if you don't get an inspection it's just going to be on your list tomorrow and you still, and then it's just a catch up game, right? To yes. keep catching up. Okay. Uh, it's oh, actually, man. it was a fun, I, I enjoyed that part of it. And, but it, it, again, it's, it's a constant catch up. So anyway, so the inspector's looking for those type of type of things. So, yep. but let, let's shift gears back to once the, the electrician has laid it out. Okay. They've laid yep. their boxes. They know what they want. So come, some of the common things that I'm sure all of our listeners are, are overly familiar with is the requirements for the number of small appliance brand circuits to serve that kitchen. So 210.11C1 says that I'm going to have at least two small appliance brand circuits. Okay. And can I have more than two? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I have to have at least two. Now, they also have to serve the countertops. Now, that does not mean that they both have to be at every countertop, okay? Because I could have an island, right? And one of those could serve the island, and the other one could serve the wall counter spaces. You still have two small appliance brand circuits serving the countertops. Yep. How you want to okay. space them really is up to you. Um, you know, usually if, if we have a range on the counter and that breaks the countertop and I have the left side, I might have one brand circuit on that one. And then the other side of the countertop, I might have the other brand circuit on that one. And of course, from one of those, I might jump over and hit the island. 
and that would be kind. fine. Could I have a third small appliance brand circuit to serve just the island if I wanted? Absolutely. Absolutely. But let's also so, talk about those circuits other than the countertop, right? Yeah. Those small appliance brand circuits not only serve the countertop, but they also serve the other portions of the room, okay? The wall receptacles, okay? But those are spaced differently. Those are spaced basically on the same rules that we do. We're talking about the receptacle outlet itself. Even though it's supplied by the small appliance brand circuit, it's located in accordance with 210.52A1, and it is no point along the floor line can be more than six feet from a receptacle. So if I have a doorway, I measure six feet. It can be anywhere in that six feet. And then once I put it, I can go up to another 12 feet because the rule says that anywhere along the wall line, I can't be more than six feet from a receptacle. So right in the middle of 12 feet is six feet to that receptacle or six feet to that receptacle. Those receptacles have to be on a small appliance brand circuit, but their spacing is different than what we would do for the small appliance brand circuit that's serving the counter. They are the same thing, but they can't be more than how many feet apart, Jay? From a receptacle, can't be more than two feet. two feet. So I could space them four feet apart. But as long as in the middle, I'm within two feet of that one, two feet of that one, I'm good to go. I need to be two feet from the end of the counter, two feet from a, uh, from a range if that breaks the counter space. If a sink breaks, breaks the counter space, I have to have receptacle within two feet of the sink. So all of those spacing rules we cover in what is the, uh, what is that, uh, 210.52C1. It covers those rules for the spacing, that type of thing. So 210.52A covers the wall spacing. Uh, 210.52B tells us the, how to deal with these small appliance brand circuits that are 20 amp rated. And then 210.52C is when it's going to start telling us about the wall spacing. And then, of course, and it deals with C2, which is the peninsular and counter island requirements as well. So that's what we have to deal with. So that's the circuits we deal with. So so now as a, as a contractor, I've, I've got the kitchen laid out. Mm-hmm. We're just going to use a, a new construction. Yep. I have the layout on the floor. We've marked out the cabinets. We've marked out the dishwashers, the sink. Mm-hmm. And again, um, just because a sink might be 30 inches or 36 inches, the the layout that it sits on, the actual basin could be half that size. So when you're taking your measurement, your two foot measurement left and right of the inside edge, you you need to make sure that you're taking it from the inside ed- edge of the basin. Because if not, if you go from the outside of, of that 30 inches and go two feet out, you could possibly be out of your your um, countertop um, spacing requirement. So just, just take that in mind. Um, and if they don't know, maybe a 10 inch, 12 inch, I guess I've always kind of a rule of thumb, you know, try to, you know, if, if you think of the basin as 12 inches, so you go to the center, maybe six, six inches each side and then start your two foot kind of a rule of thumb. You, you might be safe, but make sure you're checking in on on that. Um, all right, so I have it laid out. I have my boxes um, marked out. And if you were listening to last week's episode, when we were talking about bedrooms, I would tell you guys that we would mark our boxes, right? So we would we would go to the first box, let's say in the kitchen, that I want to bring 
my first small appliance branch circuit to my home run. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is I would pick that box and I would go 12-2 home run or HR, um, SA for small appliance because you want to, you know, keep it short on the studs, mm -hmm. circuit one, you know, or, or SA one. And then I'd put a one, two, and kind of like what you were saying, I would split the room in half. Mm -hmm. The, you know, the, the best way I could, and maybe one circuit serves, you know, the right side of the room, one circuit serves the left sure. side of the room, and then, you know, you feed the island. So now that I know I have to bring two circuits to the kitchen, and they have to be 20 amp circuits. Mm -hmm. Minimum, minimum, minimum of two. Minimum, minimum of, two. of two. Could have so, more, but you could minimum of two. So we have that squared away. Um, we know where we're putting them for the countertops and the wall space. Yep. What about my fridge? What about maybe my sure. microwave? What about my stove? Can can this small appliance? Can these two 20 amp small appliance circuits serve those as well? What can can I do the dishwasher maybe or the disposal with them? Right. As so well, right. So the 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 small appliance brand circuits are there to serve small appliances. So they're to serve the countertop. Now, with exceptions to thing like a uh, a clock receptacle that's designed for built-in clock, which these aren't 1960s when these things were around, but it does allow you there, and it does allow, for example, the igniter, a receptacle for the igniter for like a gas range to be on the small appliance brand circuit. Other than that, you really can't have anything on it but the receptacles that serve the countertop or part of the small appliance or the general use receptacles that are around that room. Of course, you can pantries and dining rooms and whatnot as well. You could pick up on that. Um, but when it comes to the refrigerator, interesting enough, the, the National Electrical Code tells us that the refrigerator, for example, is to be on the small appliance branch circuit. However, it does give us an allowance under the exceptions to say, okay, look, if you want to bring a 15 amp or a 25 amp individual branch circuit and you want to supply the range, I mean, excuse me, the, the uh, refrigerator, if you want to do that, go for it, Okay. But it also allows you to be able to do this for other loads as well that we have been doing historically forever, but people, uh, you know, didn't really question. For example, bringing the individual branch circuit to the microwave, bringing individual branch circuit to the disposal, individual branch circuit to the dishwasher. All these type of things were permitted and are talked about in the code, but you're just getting allowances to do that with individual branch circuits, and they are not the small appliance branch circuits. Those are individual branch circuits for those specific applications. Um, microwave, again, that's uh, manufacturer typically wants an individual branch circuit to it, typically rated 20 amps. That's not part of the small appliance. And another interesting thing, for those that are really into this, uh, 210.52 actually gives us locations that say, look, you can have additional receptacle outlets if you want, but they don't meet the spacing requirements. I did a, I did a code in five on that. Uh, I believe, uh, I think I did one. So for example, if you look at 210.52, it tells you that you gotta meet all the spacing requirements in 210.52 A, B, C, D, E, what have you. But if any of those receptacles are above five and a half feet, you can have a receptacle up there, like a microwave up there. But, uh, or a receptacle at the top, let's say above your cabinets where you're gonna have lighting maybe or something. You can have receptacles up there but they can't be a part of the small appliance brand circuit. They can't be, they're not going to meet the spacing requirements and things like that for the six foot, 12 foot or the 24. You can have them if you want, 
but they're not to be a part of that application. Uh, and the right. reason you see that is because it tells you that uh, dwelling units, it says this section provides requirements for 125 volt, 15 and 28 receptacle outlets. Okay. Uh, the receptacle required by this section shall be in addition to the receptacles that is as follows. So if you have a receptacle that's part of a luminary or appliance, that's okay. It just can't meet the general spacing requirements. Uh, you can have one controlled by a wall-mounted control device. So in a bedroom, in lieu of a lighting outlet, 210.70 exception says that I can switch a receptacle. Yep. But what it is saying is you don't switch that whole receptacle because yep. at least one of those receptacles on that duplex has to meet the wall spacing requirement. But you right. can switch the other one if you want. Um, and then it says yeah, we, located... We call, that a, we call that one a half-hot. And those half -hot. probably call them half-hots. And I think we talked about it last week where... You, you kind of know, um, yeah, you, you can identify which one is a half hot just by the receptacle being turned upside down with the ground facing up. If yep. you have a bank of switches and the homeowner goes, I do not know what this one does, then, you know, kind of browse around and look for that receptacle that's upside down and go, bingo, that's probably it right there. And, and I bet you it will be it. And that, that could be an easy troubleshoot. I've actually went out on a service call because of that. But uh, back to what you were saying is, is you, is that half hot outlet has to be there because you have to have a permanent hot outlet in that location. Right. Or right. We have to, we have to, receptacle. we have to have a permanent receptacle device receptacle. in that location. Um, and you're absolutely right. And, and Elwood talks about his microwave. Yeah. Microwaves typically are an individual branch circuit. Yep. And that's usually dictated, obviously, by the manufacturers and the instructions as well. But just for the sheer load itself, and of course, then that would get us into some of the, the issues uh, dealing with uh, receptacles and the 50% versus 80%. And that is 210.23A1 and A2 that we would get into. If they are cord and plug connected equipment that's not fastened in place, uh, then you're going to be limited to 80% of the branch circuit rating. If it is utilization equipment that is fastened in place, uh, and again, you have lighting units as well as cord and plug utilization equipment on it, then you're going to be limited to 50%. I'm getting ready to do a code in five on that one, so we won't blow that one up right now, but uh, we will we will have that, ap that application where we deal in that. Um, so I wanted to, to talk, uh, go, I um, can't remember where I was at. Oh, I wanted to finish that up. So what else you can have, for example, is the code says in 210.52 that receptacles in the cupboard or cabinet, mm -hmm. that's okay to have them, like that one in the microwave. It's okay to have it, but it cannot serve to meet these spatial requirements of 210.52A, B, C, D, or what have you, right? Right, right, okay, so. right. Um, now, Monty asks, does it have to be uh, identified with a label? Now, that's called a control device, and it, it does not have to be. Uh, you know, in a commercial application, it does. A control device has the marking on it, but typically I wouldn't apply that to a residential application for that. Yeah. But if you uh, want to mark it, go for it. Yep. Yeah, whatever makes it easier for the, mm -hmm. for the next guy. So now we've kind of got into the kitchen, right? We got the two mm -hmm. small appliances while we're laying the kitchen out. Um, you have mm -hmm. your microwave receptacle or, or circuit. You have a, probably a dedicated for your disposal, your dishwasher. Now, right now, that's five circuits. And you haven't even done lighting yet. And, and you haven't even touched lighting and you don't mm -hmm. know. So, so when I go into these uh, kitchens, 
I need specs as well. I need specs on what type of appliances and what type of equipment you're putting in here. Because if you're putting a toaster oven mm -hmm. that requires a dedicated 20, guess what? Now that's six circuits I'm bringing over there. Um, if, if you want a dedicated 15 or 20 for maybe a charging station because you mm -hmm. have eight laptops or, or iPads for the kiddos staying at home, that's another circuit that I'm bringing over there. And again, this is totally from a contractor's uh, a point of view. But when I go in here, because we're going to touch over, you know, the arc faults and the GFIs that are probably required in kitchens too, mm -hmm. these circuits tend to get costy, right? I mean, now mm -hmm. we're adding six circuits and we may be adding a 220 for the range. So now six, seven, eight circuits. Um, you got to make sure when you're doing these kitchens as well from a contractor standpoint that you have room in the service mm -hmm. or maybe some remote distribution panel because um, you're going to be required to put these circuits probably on a full one inch size breaker. And yeah. um, yep. did you want to maybe go over that as well or did you did you want to touch well, on a different area? I just wanted to address Monty's real quick. So Monty, when you get a chance, go look at the code. Go look at 406.3E. That's the marking requirements that you're talking about for a controlled receptacle. However, if you read it, it's talking about uh, that are controlled by an automatic control device. Okay. Or that incorporate control features that remove power from the receptacle for the purpose of emergency management or building automation. Not going to really yeah. apply to that switch that's controlling a receptacle in your dwelling. But I figured I would bring it up so you can go look at it. So it's 406.3E uh, in your leisure. Give it a look and you can see I would not apply that to all switched receptacles inside of a dwelling because that's not, they're not automatic, that type of thing. So right. anyway, give that a check out uh, as well. And I'm sorry, Jay, I was getting that for him, but oh no, <laughs> elaborate back on what you were talking about. Well, and I'm more than happy to elaborate. Jim, uh, Jim also says, has anyone else had uh, AHJ tell them to, ha to have no more than two receptacles on a countertop receptacle circuit? And you know what? <laughs> I, Jim, it wasn't two, but in Douglas County, their amendment is four receptacles per small appliance branch circuit. So that's all they want you to put on there? That's all you can put on there if you want to pass inspection. And again, like we were talking about, how are they going to know? only on final because they're not going to go through and count one two three four five during the rough they're going to expect you mr moneybags the electrical contractor who holds a license mm. to know these amendments right um even though we work in 10 different ones 10 different ones oh well so back to jim yeah i have had that and if i had nine if i have nine receptacles i have to pull Look. three I am brand circuits. I am totally against. See, that would cause a fight by me if I was in that area. And I have fought with different jurisdictions that I'm in to change their mentality. But I'm going to be honest with you. Who's the one that determines whether it should be two or four? So the National Electrical Code does not give us a limitation. What it does restrict us is the amount of load that we can place on a cord plug connected load on an individual receptacle. So in a duplex... I've got two receptacles. If I'm going to have a known appliance that's cord and plug, and I'm going to be plugging it into one of those receptacles, if it's a duplex, and I'm going to plug it in one of them, then what you want to go look at the code is it'll tell you in the code about not dealing with 210.21B2, which ultimately sends you to this little table about the maximum cord 
and plug connected load to a receptacle. Not receptacles, plural. Okay, not a duplex, the whole duplex. It's the receptacle. So what this is saying is, I'll read it, is 210.21B2 says total cord and plug connected load. Now this is provided, Jay, that you actually supposed to know what's plugging into that receptacle. Because I can promise you the consumer has no clue, right? They're going to buy a toaster and they're going to plug it in. And who's going to be there to monitor them? We do know the overcurrent device will protect them, we hope, if everything's done right. So this rule is really cord and plug limiting the loads has everything to do by limited 80% has everything to do with different types of things that you know will be plugged into the receptacle. For example, cord and plug disposal, cord and plug dishwasher, things like that that are going to plug into a receptacle. Then this rule would come into play because those are cord and plug you do need to know what the load is so that when you're plugging them into that receptacle, you're not going to exceed 80%, or at least that's the depiction right. of this table. So for a 15 or 20 amp circuit, if it's a 15 amp rated receptacle, then your maximum load is 12 amps. Okay. Now that's just one of the duplexes. The other one doesn't even come into play. We're only talking about the one of them. Okay. Now, um, now this is on a 15 or 20 amp branch circuit. Oh, great point. Because okay. again, I've, I run. And the reason why I say this, just to give the viewers insight, is is um, in a basement, let's say a customer goes, well, I have an office here. This room is going to be for an office or maybe an exercise room. Mm-hmm. We'll run a 20-amp branch circuit to that room. We'll feed six receptacles in the room, receptacle mm-hmm. uh, outlets, and then we'll go back in and put in 15-amp rated duplex receptacles. Sure. Perfectly fine. Sure. And that is okay. That's okay with 210.21B3. And that is receptacle rating. So if you look at that table, for example, it'll tell you if it's a 15 amp rated branch circuit, then I cannot exceed 15 amperes. Okay. So 15 amp branch circuit, you want a 15 amp rated device, right? If we have a 20 amp rated branch circuit, which is kitchens uh, application, uh, soon in the 2023, the bedrooms. Will be it. Okay. Well, bedrooms, it'll be a 20 amp brand circuit coming up in 2023. Uh, bathrooms, for example, it's a 20 amp brand circuit. Your two small appliances in the kitchen, 20 amp brand circuit. I'm permitted to use a 15 amp rated device. Yeah. Uh, incidentally, the internal components of the 15 or 20 are exactly the same. There is no change. The only thing is different is the faceplate. So typically the 20 amp gives you a T slot, a T slot on the grounded conductor position, whereas a 15 amp will not. It just gives you two uh, vertical slots, and of course the grounded conductor being the longer of the two, right? Um, so anyway, this is also one that fast track students get wrong a lot in their questions when it asks them about uh, a 20 amp rated circuit. I can use a 15 or 20 amp rated device on it. Uh, on a 40 amp circuit, I can use a, fi- a 40 or a 50 mm-hmm. rated device on that circuit. Uh, and now anything that's over 50 amps, if you ever ask yourself, what do I do when it's that, then I have to make sure that the uh, receptacle is at least equal to the rating mm-hmm. of the branch circuit. And of course, all of that information is given to you uh, over in 210.21B3. Okay, so it basically says when it's higher than 50 amps, it says receptacle rating shall not be less than the brand circuit. Well, that makes sense. Okay, it can't be less. 
and that. Well, you do get allowances in other places, but there you can't. So a lot of people ask that question all the time. So yes, Jay, you're perfectly fine. And somebody also asked me, um, does that apply to GFCI devices? And the answer is absolutely. A rating is a rating. If it's a 15 amp rated device, it doesn't matter whether it's 15 amp or 20 amp. GFCI is irrelevant to that. It's still a rating about the device. Okay. And we had some other questions. Uh, yeah. So Michael wants to know, he says, can you discuss 210.12A3B, which is going to I gotta be. I got to go look at fault. it here. Yep. Okay. And while you're looking which at we haven't it, even talked, will... which, we, which we haven't even talked about the AFCI requirements for the kitchen, but hello. Yeah. What a, what a good time to talk about it. Um, pretty much we've, we've touched base guys on, yeah, on, we, this, we've beaten, on our, our, we've called, beaten uh, AFCI. We've beaten AFCI's up a lot, right? Exactly. And, and just, just know <laughs> AFCI is a branch circuit, uh, cable protector or the circuit protector. Whereas in the, um, 210.8, the GFCI's or a one, 210.8, a one are, receptacle based right so right. so you can always um like in a bathroom for example you can run off a regular 20 amp um, breaker in the panel box to a gfci device um at the bathroom so again they work fine two different oh they work great yeah AF, really good. two different technologies right you know afcis and i'm not going to go down that path tonight but afcis are looking for two different characteristics in a parallel and series arcing Okay, that's called a combination. Okay, not dual function. Dual function does AFCI and GFCI. A combination device looks for parallel and series arcing characteristics. Okay, um, they work perfectly fine when you're running them in series with a, a GFCI device. It works perfectly fine. Or you can spring for the money and get a dual function, and you get and you get both. The J likes to use dual functions everywhere. So, and I think the cost by the time you were to do the AFCI breaker and the receptacle, GFCI receptacle, and you add those prices together, you're probably better off getting a dual function. I don't know. I haven't priced that lately, but probably yeah, will. I think, I think where it becomes an issue is when you're trying to do a remodel on a house that has maybe all slim breakers, maybe it's mm -hmm. a 20, 40, or 10, 20, whatever they are, and they all have the small breakers. Mm -hmm. And if you have access to you know, the existing wire running new, sometimes the inspector says, well, you know, you, you need to upgrade the arc fault at the breaker itself. So again, that's why I tell you guys as contractors out there and up and coming apprentices who eventually want to have your own companies, um, you know, make sure you're looking at the right thing and you're bidding these, these jobs out. And, th and that's another thing I want to get to before, before you go into it is, is kitchen bids. Cause you guys ask us all the time, how do you bid things? How do you bid a kitchen? Do you do per opening? Do you do per square footage? Let me tell you something about a kitchen. If you're doing per square footage, you're going to lose because the, you're, you know, you're pulling eight to 10 home runs, regardless what the kitchen is. You're, you're pulling lighting, your two small appliances, your range, your disposal, your dishwasher. You're getting a lot of juice there in that portion of the house. Um, my recommendation, if you're not doing per opening or, or per run, per circuit, per home run, per opening, per device, maybe do like a package deal. How did you... Well, I didn't. So there's three different methods. We're supposed to be, we're going to have a guest on that, that that's an expert in the bidding stuff. I can tell people ask me all the time what my, what I did. Like I use estimating software. So you do per opening. For for me, it was all about actually calculating out the number of feet of the wire or trying my best to calculate it out, even oh, though it wow. might be different than I actually run it. The programs that I used would assimilate distances. 
So it would look at it and it would add, start adding up total amounts of how much wire you would use. Uh, and it would add up the devices, the boxes, the wire nuts, the, everything was in my software. So when I clicked on a box, for example, it already knew in a kitchen, it already knew to add the price for the device, for the box, right. for the wire nuts, for a pigtail. It already knew and it put on a, a, a specific amount of wire based on when I set up the parameters of the distance from where my panel was, it would add a plus or minus a certain percentage. And then I would tweak it down at the end based on historical data. I've obviously done when at that time I did enough houses, enough buildings that I can look at and say, you know, that's yeah. about right. That, that's a, that's a, I'm not going to lose money on that, but I can see where doing it per box could be beneficial, um, real beneficial for, you know, basements and high end stuff like you do. Uh, when you do the whole house, it's a little harder because then you've got services and you got the image. So you got to think about all this stuff and, and breakers and yada, yada, yada. That's uh, every staples that everybody takes for granted, you know, and wire nuts, they play around on the job site yeah. to cost three cents a piece. And, and to take all those things into consideration, I like the software. And now if I was doing a house that I've done and I knew this house was very similar to another one, it was very much similar then I, I had my price. I knew I made money on this job. I'd look at that one and go, that's exactly, that's about the same square footage footprint. And then I could come up with a rough estimate to be able to come up with a price that's going to right. be good without running it through the software. But I wasn't a believer in doing so many dollars per square foot because that could screw you. Uh, and you make no money if it's a small house and you can make a lot of money if it's a big house. But if right. you don't adjust your price per square foot, you can really get screwed. Well, and, and so, you have to know what, what, what you're putting in that square foot. Is it just mm -hmm. receptacles, receptacles per code? Because like mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier in a bedroom, I don't need a switch for a fixture above. Mm -hmm. I just need a half hot receptacle. So yeah. what are you putting in that square footage? Sure. So again, I know we, we're, we're probably going to do a, a show on bidding, mm -hmm. but you guys ask us all the time about bidding. Um, you could lose your tail end on bidding. And oh, if yeah. it's a side job for some of you guys, especially kitchens, mm -hmm. uh, which, which customers pay high-end dollars for, um, and you're the professional, you could lose some money on that. Right. So just, just focus and be careful. So again, throwing stuff out there. So he was talking about AFCIs, and he was talking about 210.12, A3B, I believe. Uh, that's, a, that's a funky one because, to be honest with you, A3 is talking about a supplemental arc protection circuit breaker. If you can find one of those my friend, and I'm not sure if that's the one you really wanted me to talk about, but if you can find one of those, here's what it says. It says a listed supplemental arc protection circuit breaker with a listed outlet branch circuit type AFCI. So in this one, you have to have an AFCI device style receptacle at the first location. And at that location, it can't be from the panel, from the overcurrent device to that, it can't be more than uh, 50 feet if it's 14 gauge, or 70 feet if it's 12 gauge, and that's to that first receptacle outlet, okay? Um, so that is, that one's an anomaly in a sense that you have to find a listed supplemental arc protection circuit breaker uh, installed at the origin of the brand circuit, and, and, and it's in combination with the listed outlet brand circuit type AFCI circuit interrupter installed at the first outlets on the box, uh, and you have to meet all these conditions. That is an anomaly. And I have not today in any residential application, and I put a public input to try to get these removed. I have not seen a listed supplemental arc protection circuit breaker in a residential application where this would be applicable. I haven't haven't seen yeah. that. 
Uh, what I also haven't seen is also the one. Uh, let's see, where's the other one here? Um, hold on, where is it? Where is that daggone thing? Yes, number four. I have also never seen the number four where the actual circuit breaker has to be evaluated with the AFCI device together as a combination. And maybe the manufacturers that make both can do that. But I have yet to see any of those that meet 210.12A4 in all those conditions with a combination setting. Means I have a breaker that's matched to the device uh, receptacle style AFCI and they're matched together to work together. I have not seen one. Now, maybe somebody like Eaton who does make both products, maybe they've come out with one by now, but I haven't seen it. And most of the people buy their components individually. That you would have to buy as a complete kit to be able to meet this rule. And I haven't seen it. And who wants to go through that crap? I'm either just going to put an AFCI combination in the panel and be done with it, or I can put a branch feeder style AFCI in the panel. That's the old style that we typically weren't allowed to use for the last two, uh, for the previous cycle, but we bought it back in 2017. As long as it's a, a feeder branch type AFCI at the first location and then at the panel and then at the first receptacle, then I have an AFCI style device then I would be okay to do that. And I can use the old R uh, branch and feeders type AFCIs. Um, Joe says he believes it's uh, Eaton and Siemens both have them. Uh, the, the strongest word that you have in that whole sentence, Joe, is I believe. I believe I can fly. That's right. I believe I can touch the sky. Anyway, sorry. All right, so... Anyway, I'll believe so, uh, it when I see it. With, okay. with Michael as well, he's a, he's new into the Fast Tracks program, and when you hit the um, GFCI and AFCI portion of the Fast Tracks, mm. it will go in um, really deep into um, 210.12A yep. and, and all the numbers, so you'll really, yep. you'll really see which ones are practical and yep. which ones are not. And I think that's then, really what you were trying to say yeah. is some There's of them some just aren't practical, you know. There's a couple that are considered placeholders that are there in case they want to put out that technology. I've just, who would spend that money on a residential circuit breaker that actually can comply with a supplemental arc protection circuit? Act? Yep. I don't know. So Rombo says, I personally only run 20 amp circuits. I'm pretty sure he's meaning maybe everywhere throughout the house, unless it's he, lighting. Everywhere, probably. I hate 14 gauge. And you know what's crazy is coming from a commercial. Um, background when I would come into a re residential application and I would see the 14 cable and stripping the the wire at a 14 mm -hmm. gauge I, I just I didn't know what it was it just seemed off to me and so everybody did, asked me that everybody asked me my opinion on that and I'm not going to make Ronbo happy tonight so my opinion is why the heck why the heck would I knew wouldn't I use 14 gauge I'm going to protect it at a 15 amp overcurrent device Residential, it doesn't tell me how many devices I can put on it anyway. So, you know, it's a 15 amp circuit. I'm going to expect to get 15 amps out of it. Now, when people say, wait a minute, Paul, don't you limit it to 80%? I don't, unless I'm going to something that has a cord and plug that I know is going to be plugging into it, and then I can make an assumption. But anywhere else, and you've heard me say this, 
if I'm in my bedroom and I've got a receptacle right there and that's 15 amps receptacle, damn it, I'm getting 15 amps out of that. Yep. I want to get 15 amps out of that. Okay. So again, and let a consumer would have to know, oh, wait a minute, Jay. I can't plug into a, that's a 15 amp rated receptacle. And I'm plugging a load in there. I cannot exceed 80% of that rating. Yeah, right. And I'm sure every consumer checks their smoke alarms every month and goes and yeah. tests all their GFCI devices every 30 days. I'm sure they do that. Uh, also, so we're spacing in the countertops. We, we covered that kind of. Um, also, remember those receptacles that serve that countertop cannot be higher than 20 inches. It's a big trend for people to put it up in the little overhang of the cabinet and maybe plug mold. Uh, something like that. Uh, okay, uh, but as long as it's not more than 20 inches above. So those are things you have to think about. And that's the other thing. As a contractor, when you're poking wires out, your cables, you're poking the cables out, NM cables, you better hope you're poking them out right. And you better hope that the cabinet guys are friendly. Because when they put those cabinets, you know, they're the ones that are going to be cutting it through the little band at the bottom of the cabinet. So in case you have under-counter lights or, or something, um, and I have routinely seen them, you didn't measure right or you weren't sure. And I've come in and seen that the cabinets are up and then the NMB is poking out about two inches below the cabinet. And so now what do you got to do? You got to get it back up there. So then that's on you. Then you end up having to drill the cabinet and hope you don't splinter the thing or break it or something like that. So be friendly to your cabinet, guys. Do your best to poke them out at the right heights. And again, that's when it really comes in handy to be able to really read a blueprint and really read a cabinet print and try to, to do that type of thing. Uh, but of course we can so, fix all that sheetrock mud fixes everything. So, so when you, and, and now on a lighter side of things, so I think we've mm. touched on kitchens and um, code and whatnot. And again, this kind of incorporates with our countertop um, mm. electrician live show. We've done the AFC, C AF, AFCIs and GFCI shows that we've done. So again, you can yeah. reference back to those where we really get um, deep, deep into that one specific area. But again, we're just touching on kitchens because we could be here all day. Um, mm -hmm. Just a, a quick one for you. What sure. when, when you were trimming out kitchens, not, now we're switching to the trimming part. Mm -hmm. What what do you hate most about kitchens when, when you had to go back and do like a, a trim on a kitchen remodel or something? What well, what, what, what did you just wake up and go, man, I, I don't want to do this today. <laughs> if you do enough applications, you will dread stripping out 12 gauge. If you're used to, if you do enough 14 everywhere else and, 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 and then you get to the 12, you realize it's harder to get it into the box. It's harder to push it back into the box. And then, of course, everywhere that you've got a GFCI device, you can barely get anything in the box, that type of thing. Um, that I always dreaded, although it was part for the course. I did always, not just the kitchens, but in general, I did always cringe when I went back to the house for the final uh, to trim it out because I was always sure that drywaller or somebody would leave something in the wall or they cover something up or somebody would cut my wires or somebody. I never really had to worry about having what's called a dead end. Because I made sure before I left that job that everything was fed and I had home runs, okay? <laughs> I mean, that was my pet peeve. I was like, all right, I would look around and make sure we had home runs everywhere. 
God, that's the scary thought. You get there and you got a circuit that's dead and you got all the breakers on. You're like, oh, crap. What happened? Right? Yeah. Uh, but, but that was one, that was probably my, my one. And also, I personally, just, just me, I always hated hanging microwaves. I don't know what it was. They're pretty simple. You put the template up, the bottom rocks in, and you rock it up, and you put the bolts in front. But I, I, I just hated it. I don't know why. Um, I just didn't like it. I always go like, oh, I don't know. I hang this microwave. Um, Joe, but uh, that type of thing. Joe says he uh, he hated under cab lights, and I'm I'm kind of with Joe on that. You know, because oh, yeah. how like you're mentioning before, you know, whether it's uh, 120 volt. Or maybe it's a 12 volt step down or a 24 volt step down, you know, transformer to feed some low voltage, as we would say out there, um, lighting. Maybe that's some LED strips or, or stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. The placement of that wire, you you need it to be precise. And um, I need to be not, up there in that. I need to be in that band. I need to be in that under cabinet portion mm -hmm. where they're not gonna, you know, it's you can be too high. Now here's your worst nightmare. You put it too high and the cabinet guys come in and they push your wire back in the wall and they just put the cabinet up and now you've got a wire that's in the wall somewhere. Oh, I, you know, I've, I've told you guys this before. I do six inch holes. I don't do them in the cabinets. I do them kind of like where tile would go maybe or the mm -hmm. backsplash, you know, if you can get in there before they put it up and then you mm -hmm. can kind of put it back. Um, I do three or four inch holes. I think my hand can get in a three inch hole because we had um, some lights in the ceiling shining down on a tv some decorative lights they were three inch well the wires were pushed all the way against the wall hanging down you know and again we're coming in after we've roughed it so now it's the trimming stage the the drywall's up you know it's painted and and here's in the corner wires sticking down and you're like that is not where those lights are gonna go you know so then you go okay well how do we get them to where we're gonna go we cut our three inch holes out we had two of them put our hands in the three inch holes and see if we could pull the wires over well mm -hmm. one of them was a bay over so now we had to do a three inch hole on each side and drill through the bay and fish it over and then get it to our so again we can't always be there though you guys you you i couldn't pay someone to go out there and go hey paul i'm gonna pay you you know 50 bucks to go out there and make sure these guys put the wires where, where we need them you, you ever had a homeowner you ever had a homeowner move something on you oh all the time i used and, to have a homeowner yeah. the homeowners yep. would come in after i'm done i do my rough end they would come in and i've, I've had a couple of times where we used to come in and they decided they wanted to add a receptacle here or there or somewhere yeah. else and they extended it after inspection after it was over and i come back and i'm like what the heck is that you know Why, where did that come from out with sheathing on it out of yeah. the box out yeah of never even cut it in anything it's just <laughs> just hanging there and, then and the box and is sitting back them. in the wall the box is sitting back in the wall this far because they didn't know that they had to extend the lip or whatever they just stuck back in the wall oh. what do you do other? with your warranty work how do you warranty <sighs> how well i mean you have to have something in there that goes hey guys because obviously if i see one how many other places are you doing this and when yeah. i leave the project after final how much of my stuff are you tapping off of too yeah um to feed other power so mm -hmm. i've always i've always um we're actually dealing with a contractor now that um, we're, we're, we are no longer taking bids for. That's a, that's how I do it respectively on right. a um, electrical end. I, I'll do an email um, to the owner, whoever, hey guys, um, you know, things are going well. 
we won't be bidding on any more of your projects, but we'll focus on completing the ones that we have at hand. What do you look at him? What do you, what do you go to the guy say? No work for you. No more work for you. No, Cutting I, you off. It's, it's hard, man, because, you know, it's, you see all the flaws maybe in someone else's business, but they have mm -hmm. a business and it's working and it's functional. Maybe you're just not the right fit for it. So, um, subby yeah, you, yeah, the, the, the subby. Um, hold on, oh, hold Joe, on. This is, this, the... is for, this is for Joe. Do code new five? Who wants to do code new five? Five minutes for code? Oh, hell. Bring it, boy. Code in five. All right, that's for you, Joe. Thank you for the donation. Appreciate you. <laughs> uh, anyway. I don't even yeah, know what the heck we were talking about, but well, yeah. we were talking about homeowners touching, touching, touching our stuff and yeah. um, general contractors doing it. They say, "Hey, um, you go back. Why is this uh, smoke alarm box moved over and and there's an open splice in the ceiling? Well, mm -hmm. I, I I just didn't want to pay you guys a service call to come back. <laughs> but you know whose insurance is on that, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you don't care about any of that. Yeah. Anywho, I, I yeah. love kitchens. I love kitchen trims. I love kitchen remodels. Um, I think going into someone's home and seeing maybe a 20 or 30 year old kitchen and mm -hmm. looking at the homeowners and going, you know what, we're just going to turn this thing around for you. And what is the main focus in a kitchen other than appliances? It's the lighting. You know, yeah, it, and, we, it really and, and we didn't even talk about the other things because you got range circuits you got to get there too now. So we have yeah. a range that's got to get there. Uh, we might have a cooktop we got to get there, run that circuit there. So the, the, a larger portion of your hot. home runs and circuits are going to be eat up in the kitchen. Hey, Will, thanks for joining us. You got to get off. You got to get up early. Appreciate you. Thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks, um, so again, all bunch of different applications that we would have to, to, to deal with um, inside uh, of dealing with a kitchen. Of course, in our Fast Tracks program, hopefully all of you learned how to do calculations for ranges and cooktops and ranges and 220.55 and all that good stuff. Hopefully you know all about that. Um, so, I mean, again, we're very high level tonight just talking about kitchens. Um, um, I don't think there's any, oh, the islands, peninsulas, peninsular, not peninsula, peninsula surrounded by water, peninsular, which we have in the kitchen. Um, yeah, you know, that, that code has changed in a while. We have to have at least one for the first nine square feet, and then every additional 18 square foot, you'd have to have another one. Uh, and that goes to whether it's the island or the peninsula. The only difference is in a peninsula, the first receptacle has to be within the first two feet of the end of the peninsula. So they're trying to get you something out near the end, right? Um, but each additional one after that, you can put wherever you want. In fact, it's ironic. It tells you that the designer, the owner, or the electrician put it in daggone where they want to put it. Okay? So you put this, the second one in if you have over nine square feet of surface area with times length. And if you have over that, then you have another one. So you at least have that one. Uh, and that's the same thing that would apply to uh, an island. Same thing. Okay? Yeah. So, and and we've, we've gone over the... Peninsula and islands. I even commercial a, kitchens. Commercial kitchens. You put the receptacles anywhere you want to put them. 
That's totally up yeah. to you. There's no spacing well, requirement in a commercial kitchen. Put them wherever you, you're you want. Probably gonna, you're probably going to put them per the blueprints where, where yeah. the, well, where the I mean, electrical Jay. engineer tell, tells you to put them. Well, well you think I've been just it, cavalier? Just put them anywhere what? you want? <laughs> you, hey, that's, that's what you said. <laughs> I mean, and I, I might go do a kitchen tomorrow. Yeah, I'll go put, put them anywhere the you want, man. Paul you know said I, you that, can put them anywhere you want. going in the ceiling, okay? Hey, it's going there. But, you know, it's crazy about commercial, too, is Usually you would have a circuit, maybe A1, A1, 3, and 5, you know, a full mm-hmm. boat, as we would say. Pull that full boat, and you serve the left side of the kitchen, and it has re- three receptacles. So each circuit, each receptacle has a dedicated circuit to it. Um, whereas in, in residential, kind of like what you were saying, if you plan it properly, you can um, use your two small appliances, uh, circuits, and hit countertops, wall space, and dining and even the fridge if if you felt it was was okay um so knowing what you can and can't do is 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 awesome in 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 a kitchen and you have to know that with residential um because if you take those two small appliances and you try to feed maybe a microwave because you go oh i didn't run that circuit oh crap well i have a small appliance circuit here let's just let's just tap off of that and go straight up just go hit put one. a microwave in there. Well, guess what? That's a cool idea, and people would be doing it all the time if that was. And the they case. do do that all the time, by the way. <laughs> they not, do put things on a small us. appliance brand circuit that they're not supposed to, but they do it all the time. All the time, and so you know, as, as you guys do these remodels, you don't assume that thirty years ago or twenty years ago, those eight circuits that you need are going to be there. Because mm-hmm. because you're probably going to get three or four circuits there, mm-hmm. and they're going to be um, breaker tie. They're going to be multi-wire brand circuits. Yeah. So I, I have fun with kitchens, man. I, I love them. I think they're a blast. Yep. So. And, and, again, they're, they're adding so many new things in the kitchen, so you'll have the opportunity to have so many new individual brand circuits if you want to bring them in there to supply other unique pieces of equipment. Code is okay with that. You can have as many as you want. Okay? I can have as many small appliance brand circuits as I want. Right. So, um, but I can have other circuits. For example, that refrigerator, I could put that on a 15 amp circuit if I want. As long as it handles the load, I can put it on a 15 amp. Doesn't be a a simplex or duplex. Doesn't really matter. Okay. Perfectly fine. Still going to be rated 15 amp years. Okay. Can't exceed 15 amp years because it's a 15 amp rated device. Have at it. And you're, you're good to go. Now, the one thing that is a given with the lighting is it's different than receptacles is with receptacles, uh, other than loads that are going to plug in cord, and that's where we get into things like the disposal and the dishwasher, which then brings us into 210.21B2, which is going to limit us, or it gets into the limitations of 210.23A1 and 2, which deals with cord and plug connected equipment or fastened in place. We don't really have, when it comes to lighting, we just have to be aware of what our our luminaire rating is because that's a fixed value. Now, even though I could put a lamp that's less than it, we want to go with the rating of the, the, the maximum rating of the luminaire because somebody could conceivably put that maximum rating in there. And when that load is on, it's on. It is 100%. That's the maximum current being drawn is for that light, okay, for that luminaire. So when you're doing it, you know, knowing Ohm's law and being able to calculate it out, you can probably determine pretty easy how many luminaires you can have on a 15 amp circuit or even a 20 amp circuit, right? 
But when it comes to receptacles, there is no number. There's just kind of rules of thumb that people follow uh, when they do that. Uh, and you can you feel free to use whatever rule of thumb you want to use for that. I typically wouldn't put more than 10, 11, or even 12 receptacles, for example, on a 15 amp. And I would probably go to 14, 15, or maybe even 16 on a 20. Depends. It can change depending on what I'm dealing with and what I'm putting on that circuit. But the lighting is fixed. The wattage of that is the wattage of that. So while I don't have to take those considerations for general use receptacles, I do have to take that consideration for the luminaires, okay? Because, again, it's an actual load. So, yeah, you got to think about it a little bit when you're laying these yeah, circuits you, out. You, you sure do. you got to make sure that you have a, enough space. I, I kind of touched on this a while ago. But, you know, if let's, let's say you go to a panel. You need six circuits. And inside your main service, you can only have two circuits. What do you what What do you What are you gonna do then? You know, are you are you gonna free up some space? Are you gonna try to take some circuits in that panel box and wire nut them together and branch off? And to you one can. And people mean, say you can't do that, but you absolutely can. Whether it's two circuits or one, you tie them together before they go into the breaker. You can do that. That's just like one big circuit. It's just that you better know what load you're dealing with. Otherwise, you're going to be tripping a breaker. So, again, you don't just get randomly start grabbing things and putting them together. So, you'll you'll do things like amp probes on it. You'll be trying to determine what the amp draw is to see whether or not which is the best ones to double up if we need to get more space. Uh, in new construction, you shouldn't, hopefully, you should not have to worry about that. But in the case where you're going and doing a basement or you're doing something like that, then, you know, you might have to worry about the considerations for available space in your uh, panel or you know, maybe always, even you have a subby bra then you got to worry yeah, about that as well i was just going to touch on that I, I always put a uh, always put a subby in to my bid whether it's a basement bid or a kitchen remodel i always put a subby in there um they go know. hey what's this what's this cost for this 50 amp two pull subby bra why is there mm -hmm. that 350 on there 500 or whatever i feel like charging them that day um, well, it's there because you have two circuits in your panel, and instead of doing a whole service upgrade for $3,500, let us just run a $500 subby down below in the basement, maybe a 1224, and let's bring those eight circuits that we need to that kitchen. You know, and mm -hmm. and a lot of times, the circuits that are in the kitchen they ran off multi-wire branch circuits, and they can be tricky. Mm -hmm. When you're trying to meet code with the, you know, the dual purposes, the GFCI protection and the ARCFA protections for the um, receptacles in the kitchen. So sometimes, you know, we would cap off the red. Maybe you're running, maybe we see a multi-wire um, uh, home run going out there and we find where the home run is and we say, okay, well, instead of using two circuits, since we have the subby down low, let's just use one and free mm -hmm. up some space in the panel. And we right. just cap off the red on, on both ends, right? And right. so again, there's there's a lot of ways of doing that. And I guess I'm kind of talking more about remodels. Um, mm -hmm. That's where it gets a little more trickier. But um, yeah, but you that's have to why, really- that's, that's, why the, the, that's why the basement king makes the big bucks, right? Because <laughs> he deals with that kind of stuff. That's, right. what I'm, that's all I'm saying. Okay, what else? Um, 
Oh, I guess we should also cover across those countertops. If it's flat across the top countertop, obviously, and you're allowed for peninsula and island islands to able to put it on the side below the countertop, as long as it's not under an overhang that's more than six inches from the base to the end of the, to the overhang, then you couldn't put a receptacle underneath it. Okay. Um, because again, it would be then going over the overhang and then underneath. And again, some kid could come along, grab it and pull it off. They don't want you to do that. Uh, of course, you can put the ones that go in or pop up above the countertop if you want. We call those pop-ups. Uh, they're hardwired. They're not relocatable power taps. They're not the ones that have a cord and plug, and you put a receptacle on the counter and you plug it into it. That's not what they are. These are more expensive, and you actually hardwire them. You cut a hole in the countertop, and they actually go in the countertop, and then they'll pop up from the countertop. Then things are expensive, but they are not considered relocatable power taps. Those are designed specifically for that application. Okay. So, so um, what is Travis? Travis, welcome to the chat. Um, uh, Michael says he just purchased a house and the microwave is on the same circuit as the, as the basement lights and the outlets. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the hardest part about the inspector is they see the receptacle and if it happened to have something else in the other part of the house on it, they might never even know it because they're checking the receptacle, right? For that, to make sure that that's not on a small part and they don't know what else somebody might've come off of that type of thing. So it, it can be, it can be tough for an inspector to catch all those things. And most electricians will go, what does it matter, Paul? It's protected by an overcurrent device anyway, who cares? And I'm not using those lights in the basement and that outlet when I'm cooking my popcorn in my microwave. <laughs> I'm going to cook my popcorn first, and then I'm going to the basement with the lights That's and outlets right. to watch TV. So I'm not using them. <laughs> we'll consider those non-coincidental loads, and we'll just let it go. No, it's not how it's supposed to work. But uh, uh, typically, um, typically, the microwave will have installation instructions that require it to have an individual branch circuit. And when that means individual, that means that's it. <laughs> You know, 110.3B and it's part of the listing. That's it. Okay. Of course, we could get into cord and plug connected loads and the limitation of the circuit based on fixed, uh, depending because that microwave, the way it's mounted, if it's not a counter mounted one, but it's one that actually gets mounted hard set, then we can argue that that's a fixed uh, you, you know, piece of equipment or not. Or even if we get in cord and plug, we have some limits that we would deal with in 210.23. A1 and A2 that we might have to encounter, but ultimately it's going to fall down to the fact that that microwave needs an independent uh, individual branch circuit for that application. Yeah. Um, also, let's touch on the receptacles that are in the kitchen again before I forget. If I'm having a counter and I have a receptacle on the counter, and let's say I have a doorway right here. Remember we said the wall space ones, you have to have a receptacle within six feet of the opening. If that counter receptacle is a say within four feet of the door opening and you got just a two foot wall space right there and you're, you need a receptacle there, but you say, Hey, wait a minute, that receptacle that's on the counter, it's on the same branch, small appliance branch circuit is the one that goes down there, but it's within six feet. So let me just use that one. It's not going to work. The code makes it very clear that that receptacle that's serving the countertop space cannot serve the wall space for the general use type of receptacles around the wall. You'd have to have another one down there in that space that's within six feet of the door, okay? So they can't do what's called double duty, okay? 210.52B is gonna tell us we can't do that. So just put another receptacle in. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're all on the same small appliance brand circuit anyway, but they're not going to let you do that for the spacing. Okay, so you're going to have to add a separate one down there. Okay. Um, what else, Jay? What what else? What else could we possibly cover? Do we have a question? Uh, that's, uh, Travis says, I'm curious what everybody uses for the appliance part of your load calc. You never know what's going, uh, going in a new construction. I don't know, Travis, if you do never, because I used to know, uh, I ask, I asked the contractor, I, I would say, what, what appliances are you putting in? That type of thing. Um, that's the first thing I get, I, yeah. I ask from the customers, the layout and the specs. Because I want to know where it's going. I want to know the footprint of where it's going. And I want the specs because some of those appliances, they require that receptacle outlet to be within a certain footprint um, on the back. Let's say like maybe four inches off the ground, but no higher than 10 inches off the ground. So you have to be within that 10 inch. Boy, that's critical inch for you know residential. I, mean? like, I didn't think that that was, you know. Well, some of the ranges that, that they put in residentials they have for um, an area for the cord to plug into. So they have like a sure. little kind of cut, uh, a little area for that receptacle box. Um, some well, also, will tell you. Well, also, Travis, you should know if you're running the brand circuits and you have to run the brand circuits and you need to know what you're running the circuit for. If it's, a, if it's part of the small appliance brand circuit, then you don't have an a, appliance calculation to take in consideration. It's just 1500 VA for your small appliance brand circuit times two. But if I'm, when you say appliances, you'll know if you're going to run a circuit to the disposal, garbage disposal, bingo, there's an appliance. You'll know if you're running it to a dishwasher, boom, there's an appliance. You'll know by proxy of what you have to run, whether or not when you're doing your calculations, some things you can just go with and go, all right, I know I got a dishwasher. Now, what values, I think is what you're really asking, what values do I use? And that is where you have to look at it and say, okay, well, if I'm running a circuit to the dishwasher, don't be afraid to ask the GC or whoever it is to get you that information. And if they can't get it, you information, then what I would do if you're doing a load calc is I would go on a worst case scenario. In other words, I would look for a, a, uh, a just a, a gen generically acceptable dishwasher and I'm going to be close enough, okay? I'm going to be close enough. Typically, they're going to pull a certain number of amps, and they're going to be pretty general. Uh, disposal. Go with the disposal that would be the general type that you would use uh, for that application. And you're going to be close enough because you're at least doing a calc. Okay? But if you can get everything, it's great. Get everything. But, again, I, I, I can understand that sometimes you can't. Uh, but uh, do your best to try to get some base values for all those things. But, again... It also should sound as easy as this. You don't know what you don't know because you don't know because nobody's told you. So if I'm going to do a real accurate calculation, I almost got to have these values. Otherwise, how do I do it? I know it's difficult, but you got to ask somebody. And if they won't, then you know what you do? You take a worst case scenario and you go with, okay, let me go look at Lowe's and let me look online and see what's the, you know, the, one of the larger sized garbage disposals. Boom. I'm using that value. Um, what is that? Because you know what? In a dwelling, you're not going to have all that many appliances anyway. Okay. Yeah. That type of thing. Um, um, Travis asks, I guess I need to push more for those answers. Some customers want a 240 volt 
outlet for the range and aren't planning to use it. Um, uh, I, how are they cooking? Because I've never had, ever had gas. a dwelling that's had to, oh, oh, so is it a gas? Yeah, right. so he's saying that that uh, some customers want two forty volt outlets for the range and aren't planning on to use it. And okay, I'm going to use eight thousand. I'm going to use eight thousand VA for one range under two twenty dot fifty five. If I'm going to do it, and I'm putting in that when I do my calc, I'm going to use the the bare bones. I'm going to use an eight eight thousand yeah. VA. That's what I'm going to be using for my calc. And because I'll, that's I'll all they what, gave if a, me. If a customer is doing gas, I recommend that they still run the two forty line to it. Um, because if they go to sell the home and they post that they're putting in a new appliance, maybe their designer has a new appliance and that new appliance is 240 volt and not gas. Um, guess what? You don't have 240 volt there. Well, here's another interesting, so, here's an interesting thing though. Cooking and dryers are not required by the code. So, if you were to get failed because you didn't put a range receptacle in, you could argue that cooking is not a requirement. If it's in there, then you use it and do a calculation. But cooking right. is not a requirement. Neither is having a dryer. Now, the laundry circuit's a requirement, right? You got to have a laundry circuit, with, with barring some exceptions for multifamily applications. But you got to have that. But nothing requires the dryer. Okay, which is not part of the laundry circuit. Okay. okay. But so, if you notice, Alex, even Alex says, I always go on the safe side and put 240 and 120 for the range. Again, they're spending a little bit more money, mm -hmm. but it's better than them coming back to you when they sell the house and go, hey, um, I need you to put that 240 volt circuit that you were going to charge me $350 for. Can you put it in now? And I go, yeah, it's going to be about $1,000 now. Hey. Now I have to remodel it in. I was already there. I could have put it in at the time. So you get into this. You kind of get into this uh, game with these with with with, with these with these homeowners. Um, but if you're a professional, uh, just just give them your recommendation. I mean, if if that's what it is, and they and they say no, I don't want it. I don't want to pay that cost. Then then you don't have to have it. You know, you don't have to have that. But if you ask me my professional opinion for a resale value. I would want to put a 240 there. Um, and most likely it's going to be a number six SCR, a, a two pole 50 most likely um, that goes there. I've seen the dual ranges, gas ranges, uh, two pole 20. And and guess what? He The the guy goes, the GC goes, Jay, I see this small little little wire. It's, a, it, it's like a 12.3. Usually I see like a 6.4 there. Hey, man, you gave me the specs. This is what you paid for. This is what I ran. You didn't right. want the larger one. You know, you can't assume that I'm going to go above and beyond what the specs give me. Once I receive those specs, I'm quoting on those specs. Yeah, um, sure. On the safe side, is it safe to run a 2.450 uh, to it and just put a, a lower overcurrent protection device on it? Sure, you can You can oversize your cables and conductors. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But um, just make sure they're paying for it. Anywho, yeah. you're laughing so, at something. You're giggling. No, What's no, up, I was man? gonna. I was say, hey, Joe. From, too much? No, Joe from last night, <laughs> from our exam prep, and Nick was a trip. He 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 was looking at a question on transformers, and he saw the XFMR, which was my abbreviation for transformer, and he started looking up insulation for conductors rated XF. MR and I was and he was like I was looking for insulation so I was like Joe posted that 
And I was like, yeah, I was like, I remember that from last night. And I was like, yeah, yeah I don't think there's an XFMR type insulation out there. <laughs> but he didn't know that we were talking about transformers, that type of thing. Uh, let's see. What are the questions we have? Michael says, can you put a disposal in a dishwasher on the same circuit? Well, typically a dishwasher requires an individual brand circuit and usually a disposal require an individual brand circuit. So the question is, can you put them both on? Well, then that takes you down to dealing with permissible loads for multiple outlet brand circuits. So that is 210.23 and you look at A and you're going to have what's called cord and plug connected equipment not fastened in place. And then you're going to have utilization equipment fastened in place. So one of the things you're going to run into is, for example, um, I, I consider it a dishwasher and I consider a disposal fastened in place. The d disposal is connected to the bottom of the uh, drain and it is, it's fastened in place. Um, the dishwasher, because of the front, because of anti-tip or whatnot, typically it's fastened in place. Uh, could that be on cord and plug? Absolutely but they're fastened in place. The cord and plug is an option that's allowed for them under Article 422 if you want to use that type of method to more to make bring power to that device. The problem is it says utilization equipment fastened in place. It says the total rating of the utilization equipment fastened in place other than luminaires shall not exceed 50% of the brand circuit rating where lighting units, cord and plug connected utilization equipment not fastened in place or both are also supplied. So. If I'm going to supply multiples, then I would have a problem because I would have to limit the load to 50%. And I'm probably not going to be able to handle both the dishwasher and the, the uh, garbage disposal on that circuit because of that limitation. Okay, so the question is, can you? Sure. Will code allow you? No. Does it get done? Absolutely. What other options might I have? Well, one of the other options I might have is I might run a 12.3 there and I do a multi-wire brand circuit. I break the tabs on a receptacle and the top one serves the dishwasher and the bottom one serves the garbage disposal. And each one of those are considered a branch circuit, right? So that would be unacceptable. Of course, once you get back to the panel, you're going to have a, two single pole breakers with identified handle ties and everything's good and gravy and you're, and you're good to go, okay? That's typically... Uh, how we would do it, okay? Uh, that's how I would do it if I was doing that application. Otherwise, I'd run individual branch circuits, uh, and that's probably what I did the most. I would run a separate circuit with a dishwasher and a separate circuit for the garbage disposal, okay? Um, let's see here. But again, you've got that permissive load limitations, and you have to take those into consideration. And again, garbage disposal pulls quite a bit. So does a dishwasher. So could be a problem there with that based on meeting the requirements of 210.23A2 under that installation. Um, what else question do we have? Uh, touch on 210.8 uh, GFCIs for kitchens other than dwellings. Something I miss a lot. Well, we really can't, hon, because 210.8 uh, dealing with kitchen other than dwellings would take us out of 210.8A. Uh, and that is what we're dealing with tonight. We're talking about dwellings. So you're talking about other than dwelling applications, and we're going to have to save that for a different show. Uh, there is a list of all types of GFCI requirements, uh, but tonight's show is, is uh, B, is other than dwelling units. We're doing everything about dwelling units, and of course, 
dwelling units, it says that bathrooms, garages, accessory buildings, outdoor receptacles, crawl spaces at or below grade level, basements, whether they're finished or unfinished, it doesn't matter, kitchens, where receptacles that serve the countertop, also any that uh, sinks where the receptacle is installed within six feet from the top inside edge of the bowl of the sink is going to require GFCI protection. Uh, and again, boat houses and in bathrooms or shower stalls and of course laundry areas, all of that dealing with dwelling applications are going to require GFCI protection. Coming into 2023, as Jay knows, everything's going to be GFCI protected. So you don't even have to worry about this list in A. It goes away. It's just going to be everywhere gfci protection that's the way it's going right now okay so um so we will do some com i think one of our series we will do jay is we'll probably also do commercial and cover some commercial app locations and commercial applications as we move forward as well because we have a lot of episodes and a lot of year left so we'll cover different topics um and Alex, that's exactly how m most people would do that application because that provides me with two full brand circuits, multi-wire brand circuits, okay? But it gives me the potential for two full circuits. And of course, the neutral is going to be carry the imbalance. So we can, we do it with 10 on this one, 10 on this one, neutral C zero, that type of thing. That, okay, so, so um, pull 20 on this one, zero on this one, the neutral C is 20, okay? So it's all good. Okay, the more that these two carry up to their capacity, then the less the neutral actually carries. Okay, so it's all good. Good. All right, Jay, what else we got, bro? What else? Subby, bro. Subby, bro. That's about it, man. Kitchens are, uh, that's it. That's Kitchens 101. Kitchens 101. Remember, minimum of two small appliance brand circuits. Okay, got to think about your lighting. Got GFCI protections that's required for the countertops or within six feet on top inside edge of the sink. What else? We got to worry about AFCI on all of that. Okay. Countertops as well as the lighting. Everything in there is AFCI protected. Got to have that. From a uh, contractor's point of view, you're going to want to know the layout. Gonna wanna you're going to want to mark it. You're going to want to mark it on the floor. I don't have any exhaust fans in my kitchen, Michael. Um, <laughs> you're going to want to get with the homeowner and the contractor to verify those layouts um, and yep. then make sure that your receptacles are covering the countertop and wall spaces. Absolutely. And uh, again, Absolutely. the pro tip that I gave you guys last week that I'll give you again this week is, is number in your boxes. Know yep. where that home run is going to go to and yep. know where that end of circuit EOC is going to be at. And that kind of makes it easy to go, oh, man, this small appliance has one, two, three, four, five, a five here, and this one has three. I have mm -hmm. to add another receptacle. Most likely, I'm probably going to add off of the small appliance that has three. So, mm -hmm. you know, if anything, it, it just gets um, everybody used to marking the boxes out and kind of getting it uniformed to where it's going to come into and where it's going to end at. So, yeah. And, and, and like Michael thumb. says, you might have an exhaust fan. Also, that's another circuit we didn't, might, didn't think about. Or usually it's built into the microwave, so usually that might cover Oh, like the, like the hood the Old schools, or, or baby. Whatnot. The old school exhaust fans over the range for people that can't cook. Yeah. That's what that's all I've about. seen some of these homes in the Cherry Hills area. They they have commercial grade exhaust oh, fans the, the in the their exhaust houses. Fans. They, they, yeah, but they, they probably all cook with gas, don't they? 
yeah. The exhaust fan is the footprint of the island. I mean, oh, it literally covers huge. the whole thing. So it's like, yeah, you're definitely uh, getting some good air suction on that thing. Mm-hmm. But cool, man. That's that's all I have. A great show. Um, yeah. it, it did look like that in the beginning. We had about 17 to 19 people. So I think you listeners are um, switching over from the Saturday to the the Thursday. So we appreciate the support and uh, yep. the transition with us because it really does free us up to have our weekends. Um, I know you had that incident with your boat last weekend. Um, <laughs> and but... I, I am safe to say that I told everybody it'd be about a week before I could walk again. And it was about a week. And then all of a sudden I feel much, much better now. But I realized that I, it, Paul versus a 2,500 pound boat. And that's a light boat. That's an aluminum tracker boat. Paul didn't win. And so Paul's not going to try to win anymore. So if you see a video on America's Funniest Videos of a trailer going down the road and I'm just waving it along, it's because I refuse to fight my trailer. So, okay. So, uh, Travis says, how do I reach out to ask questions outside of this show? Plus, how do I know when the next one is? Go to electricianlive.com. That's electricianlive.com. That's where we put the schedule for the next show. Once we come up with it, we put it up there. Plus, you get to watch all the past shows that we've done are all posted there as well, up to the first of the year. Um, So, that's where you go, electricianlive.com, and you'll be able to do that. Um, Michael says your Wednesday, your Wednesday for fast track. Where do we view that? Well, Michael, if you're in the fast track program, you got an email. If you got an email, the email will tell you how to log in on our zoom. Okay. But you would probably sent that out and maybe you didn't join the fast tracks until after it got it. But I usually send that out like on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, and sometimes even as late as Wednesday morning, but you'll get an email and that has instructions on how to get to it. We don't do live broadcasts for everybody for the fast tracks. You can only be a fast tracks member and that's under our zoom account that I have. So again, you'll get an email and it'll come to the email address that you registered with your fast tracks program. And that's where you'll get that. We don't do, I don't do courses anymore for the public. Um, just for free, only fast track students and things like that. So, um, all right. That's it. I mean, obviously we could, could go on forever and I could talk about all different types of topics, but if you want to email us with questions, uh, you can always also, uh, Michael, go to our website, go to my website, masterthenec.com, and there's a comment button there. You can click on it and you can send your question in there. Uh, we have an app as well. App. Um, now, I will tell you, if you're not a Fast Track student and you ask questions, it might take a while to get a response because, again, Fast Track students and people get first dibs on my response um, and sometimes it takes me t- a while to get to them. If you want something for both me and Jay to chime in on, then send it to host, H-O-S-T, at electricianlive.com. Yeah. There you go. Send it there as well, and we'll be more than happy to chime in on Look that. At, look at O. So so this is this tells you um, the dedication of O. He says, uh, good show. I showed up late but I'll catch up uh, when you put it on podcast, which these will go on to the podcast for, uh, to re-listen. Yeah. I had my baby girl born yesterday. Thanks. Have a good night. Congratulations, though. That's right, man. And if you want my 23-year-old, I'll send him out your way, too, if you want another one, just in case, you know, I'll send you one. So. Um, oh, man, that's awesome. Dedication right there, man. Still, there you go. 
Commitment. Still getting caught up. Yep, commitment. So what about Jim, Joe? Thanks. Joe, what about Joe? CMECP still hits the show every week. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's passion. That's that's loving your electrical industry. That's loving it and having a place where you can talk about it. And uh, yeah, it's just cool. I enjoy doing these shows. Uh, again, you can send us topics. We'll cover all kinds of topics. Uh, and we have some things that we might change up as we go further on. We're discussing different things. But, you know, we, we love the topics. And we'll, we'll talk about it. This is part of our dwelling series. So we covered bedrooms and we covered kitchens. Uh, covered garages. We covered garages. Garages. So, yep. so, you know, and, and again, with the residential, um, it's, 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 it's a little easier to, to explain some of the concepts in residential, um, especially mm -hmm. install wise, whereas in commercial, you know, you, you're either running cable or maybe tubing or conduit, you're putting conductors into it, you're sizing. It, it really gets complex. But you're following a drawing, but you're following well, you're, a drawing, right? You're so following you're, a drawing, but also you, you know, if, depending on what level you are on that installation or on that project, you may have to double check those drawings because, mm -hmm. you know, a, a run could cost you. But yeah, you're right. Um, uh, reading blueprints, it's, it's still just because guys do it in the commercial side doesn't mean we don't do it on the residential side. We still have blueprints as well. And sometimes I get a blank drawing of just the walls and uh, area saying kitchen or laundry or family room and then they go well just put outlets per code hey man if i put five outlets on or receptacles on one wall i'm sorry sometimes those those little portions are, are really small so if you're ever asked to try to install or, or make a bid based on an open sketch do your best but also maybe um add a couple a couple extra in there just in case because well also with the same in that same thought don't ask me to do something to spec and you might get what you asked for right if you if you ask me to just follow what the code says i might only give you five receptacles in that room it's code compliant but you might get to the end of it and look at it and go what the heck, man? Why is the receptacle over there? I need one over here. Or I want another one over here. Right. Or I want something else. And and look, you told me to do it to spec. I'm not going to give you five more receptacles than I need to if you told me to do it to spec. So there's a difference between a custom home. There's a difference between a spec home. Uh, there's you know difference with communication with your customer to see what they want here or there. What the guy goes, hey, man, you didn't give me a receptacle in that cabinet. Well, you didn't ask for one in that receptacle in that cabinet. So you better be clear if you want a receptacle in that cabinet. Because okay? I can put one there if you want it, but you're going to have to let me know about it. So, again, there's, there's so many things that we can do meeting minimum standards, and we can go above it. We can go way above it if we want to. So it's up to, up to but I'm not going way above nothing. Unless I'm getting some of this. Unless I'm getting paid for it. That's right. You know, Show I don't, me I'm, the money. Yeah, I'm not here to give away, give it away. Not in this trade. Okay. I'm not here. I'm not looking for uh, <laughs> I'm not looking for that magic key to get into heaven because I gave away all my construction work. No, I'll get there other ways. I won't get paid. And so hey, if if you're starting a business and you want immediate responses, name your business discount electric. <laughs> and, and and I guarantee you, you'll get every call from every person who needs an electrician. Oh uh, no! I know this is Jay's gonna Jay's gonna start his own co another company. He's gonna call it Lowball Electric. Lowball. <laughs> Lowball Electric. Low, 
but then I hit you with change orders. You know, I, I, like like you were saying, I do the minimum, but yeah. then I come in with, with with a ton of change orders. I I I just never what about got it? That Here's one. That. Here's one. Bare minimum electric. Bare minimum, yeah, right. What do you do? I, bare minimum, just bare minimum electric. Bare minimum, and you pay bare you pay bare minimum prices. You so, pay bare hey, minimum prices. Yeah. Oh awesome. lordy. Oh um. Thank you, William. Thank you for the donation. I appreciate it. Uh, definitely. Um, um, I don't know of anything else. We've co really covered a lot tonight. We are over as normal. Um, and we're getting longer and longer. Instead of Electrician Live being one hour, I mean, we have to change this thing to two hours or something just to cover all the topics. Okay. But I don't have anything else. Again, we could dig into even more things with kitchens, even more. There's stuff I could talk about uh, dealing with the calculations for ranges and what happens when you have a branch tap for ranges where you have a cooktop and a range off of a, a branch circuit tap. I mean, there's so many stuff we could talk about and we have tons of other things that we could talk about with that in other future episodes. So we're going to, we're going to cut it for tonight and we thank all of you for joining us. And again, I've been streaming on uh, Facebook and I didn't tell you that Jay Facebook and on YouTube tonight. So I did a double whammy. I did a double, a double, Took a double. All right. Oh, also, I should say, I know that some of you sent in some stuff for some of my free stickers. Um, and I have been really delayed on that. So I'm going to do that over again. I'm going to say, if you want your free, some free stickers, email me and you can and ask, say, say, I want my stickers and I will send you some stickers. Um, but I need to put the email address in here. So let me just do this now. It's just easier. I won't, I'll do this this way, Jay. So it doesn't really bob, you know, bug you with that since I have to be the one to mail them. All right. So auntie says, great job. So many nuggets. And that's like, uh, like you were saying earlier, this is where, what, what we want to give back to you guys. Um, mm -hmm. You know, on your end, you're you're code nut, you're code wizard, you're code guru. You're just you're just the code guy. Myself, I'm an electrical contractor. You didn't call me a code freak. Oh, <laughs> so I'm good with that. Hey, I'm I'm the electrical Jay can contractor be with us. who Jay can be with us next week. <laughs> who who may not have all the code savvy, but I can kind of give you the tips and 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 pro tips out in the field that we're using. Um, again, Paul hasn't been out in the field for many years, so when it comes to out in the field installs, you guys just direct the questions to me, and I'll, I got your back. You know what they say. You know what they I'm say. You know what they say about me on social media. They say, oh, Paul, that's that guy that can't do it anymore. That's why he teaches. Yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Anyway, you want some stickers? Send me an email for some stickers. I'll send them out to you. Send me your full address, full address, so I can send you some stickers. And uh, we'll get them out to you. We have tons of them to give away. Um, and uh, that's it. We got nothing else for this show. We appreciate all of you for coming and joining us. Until next time, folks, stay safe. And God bless. Electrician Live with your host, Paul Abernathy and Jay Brunberg.
Tschüss.